trouble. Get that goddamn rent money. All right. All right. I was going to tell them, I plan on giving you a $500. If I do sell it, I thought... There you go. Like tell them that. But tell them, tell them you're going to give them time okay. to move. You're going to have time to move. I'm going to give you 500 okay. bucks. Everything's going to be fine. Just please work with me here. Pay the rent. Let's, you know, and just, you know, that's it. All right? Right. All right. Good luck Got to it. you. I'll be seeing you soon. I'm going to contact you when I'm coming out that way. I'll let you All buy right, me man, lunch. Good. All right. Take care, George. All right. Bye. All right. So what else we got? Are we done for the night? Yeah, we have, uh, we're over, over an hour, right? right. Oh, over an hour, that's enough. I'm tired. I got to figure out what the hell I'm going to do tomorrow to straighten my life out. I appreciate all everybody that's been sending me information on how to invest money. I don't know, that goddamn, uh, what's it called? Crypto scares me. Because I don't know where the hell money's going. What does it mean? Crypto and Bitcoin and... You know, the money's just floating around or what? I don't know. Yeah. We just got to say thank you to some super chats. Some people just threw. Uh, oh, throw in a super chat. Let's super chat. Hey, let's have a chat. A super chat. Piranha Canals, thanks for the $10. What do you think about mobile homes on permanent foundation and land? Thanks for having part of your life on camera. Mobile homes on permanent foundations? That's a high-class mobile home, baby. Uh, I mean, you know, it depends. Is it a park? Is it sitting on land by itself? I mean, you know, everything has a value. You know, I mean, if you can rent it or if you can sell it and somebody wants to live there. You know, I've dealt with, you know, I haven't dealt with a lot with mobile homes, but manufactured housing is housing. You know, if it serves a purpose to house somebody and you collect rent, then, or if somebody wants to buy it to live in, then it's got a value and you rent it out. I mean, it, it, you should be trying to rent it out cheaper because manufactured housing is a lot less value, you know, considerably than the um, stick-built housing. So, you know, it's fine. I, I, I mean, I used to, you know what I made a lot of money on? The manufactured housing, they used to bring them in by trucks. But they bring in 140 of them and, you know, and they all set up like fourplexes. It's called cardinal housing. I owned a lot of cardinal housing that was built back in the 80s, and it was fine. I bought it, I fixed it, I rented it, I sold it. I mean, anything is, has a value if it's livable and there's somebody that wants to live in it and pay for it. So, yeah, do it. Do anything you can to make money. I don't care if it's a mobile home park or whatever it is, as long as it's legal and, and somebody it's decent enough for somebody to live in and you can make money on it, do it. What else you got? Shaw, Shaw Merritt, thanks for the four ninety nine. Ben, you should buy the land next to Madeira Beach Marina and build a nice condo or hotel. Madeira Beach Marina, I think all that property was already bought up and a big hotel just went up. If that's what you're talking about, I don't know. I'll look into it. Madeira Beach Marina. But I think it's already been done and there's big development plans going on right now. <laughs> But I did bid on all that land, but then I got outbid. I'm not a developer. I ain't putting out no big money on development. What else you got? William Burkhead, thanks for the $5. Ben, did you ever take downtime once you made a few million? <coughs> How do you avoid burnout? When is the next seminar? Thank you. 
I mean, you know, I, I definitely, you got to take downtime once you make your money and, you know, you got to enjoy life. I've done plenty of vacations, traveling, you know, not as much as I want to. But let me tell you, I'm going to be free from this prison in four more years, baby. Maybe three if you graduate a year early. If you really cared about me and you really wanted me to enjoy my life and start my retirement and be free... He'll do it in about three years, okay? We'll see. I'm happy to do it. Good. Let's happy. see you do it. So, anyway, um, what else you got? Jake Y, thanks for the four ninety nine. Ben, I'm closing on my first deal in two weeks. Thanks to you and your family. Thanks, guys, and what's up, Aaron? Keep doing your thing, dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you very much. What do you do? I will. What do you do? Closing his first deal in two weeks. Congratulations. I hope you make money on it. Good deal. Yeah. Good deal. You should be ringing the bell. Whenever somebody closes a deal, we should have the bell to ring or get me to rub a chicken. Chucky, where's your chicken? All right. What else you got? Anything else? Anybody else? Heath Sims. Thanks for the $5. Ben, you ever heard of salad? Salad? Yeah, I know all about salad. It comes right before you. you get a meal. Salad is what you enjoy on your way to the big steak, baby. I love salad, but not too much. You know, it's just to get you started, get your stomach going, because something good's getting ready to come. So you just give it that little teaser with the salad. All right? What else? Softla Ben, 10. Thanks for the $5. What do you know about collecting rents and putting in a sweep account and making interest off of it? The OG property manager was telling me about this. All right. A sweep account is, it's really in banking. It has to do with banking. You put the money in account, the bank sweeps it out, some banker comes with a broom and a dustpan, sweeps up your money, and he goes, puts it somewhere else where he claims he's making more money because he's invested in something that's paying more money, and then he gives you a piece of that action. I believe that's the way it works. They sweep the money out, they put it in a can and somewhere where it's making more money, with the other money that the bank has, and then they split the profit with you. So you get a little more interest than you would just sitting in their account doing nothing. That's my opinion. Verify it with a banker, but it's very common on any kind of operating accounts to have a sweep account come in and sweep up. That's what the goddamn banks do. They like to clean up, clean up your money. What else you got? Anything? IGH Properties. Thanks again for the $99.99. Ben. $99.99. Ben, I, I outspent the doctor. Real estate investors make more money than doctors anyways. I'm only renting for Section 8. Now, so if tenants don't pay, I'm still making money, baby. Well, you're a smart guy. You're doing exactly what I did. I mean, you know, that's the benefit. You rent to Section 8 and you, you work with agencies and help low-income people and, and play with the program, then it pays off because you got security. You got the government backing you up, you know, guaranteeing you they're going to uh, 
pay you that money, so I'm glad I'm happy for you. I wish I was in your shoes, because I'm not in those shoes. Shagad M, thanks for the $5. Hey, Ben, thanks for, for your insights. When do you think the real estate market will crash, and when will be a good time to buy? You know, right now we're in uncharted waters. You know, everybody's holding on, but I'm telling you now, and everybody's got a prediction. And, and half the time, people predict the right thing. Why? Because you're either right or you're wrong. You got a 50% chance. It's like going, it's like when my wife goes to the roulette table. You know, she either plays the black or the red. Why? Because she knows she's got a 50-50 chance of winning. You know, so, um, you know, I'm predicting we don't know what the hell's going on now. The government's really pumped up the economy to keep it going, but I think it's inevitable. The banks aren't getting the money they need on their mortgages. Landlords aren't collecting rents right now. And, and you can't even blame the companies not paying them because they're not making no money. The movie theaters are suffering. The restaurants are suffering. The hotels are empty. You know, gyms are empty, and then, you know, they suffer, the landlord suffers, everybody's suffering. Uh, I think that there's plenty of people, I'm one of them, ready to cash out. So, like I said, I'm putting properties on the market right now for mega millions less than I thought they were worth and what I would have took before this shit started. So, now's a great time to go out and look for bargains. Okay, it's always a good time to look for bargains, but now there's a lot of scared people out there. They just don't want to tell nobody they're scared. But I would be out there lowballing stuff because, like I said, you know, you put some money in front of somebody, these days they're going to think twice. The stock market's going up, the stock market's going down. It's like a brand new boat. I had a wax and everything. Everything's working. The air conditioning's working. The generator's working. It'll cruise at 40 miles an hour. It's got two sleeping compartments. It's got a refrigerator. It's got a microwave. You can take a shower and use the bathroom in it. What the hell else do you want? All under 27, 8 feet. Made by formula. Come on, 30 grand. Come on down to Clearwater and let's make a deal. What else you got? Andres. Estronza, thanks for the $5. I submitted an Ask Ben question. Looking for a tenant help on Force Major. I mean, Major. Force Major? Major claim. Force Major. Is that, somebody looked that up. Is that some friggin' French word they came up with? Fuck you, Force Major. Force Major, from my understanding, means that it was, uh, you know, the government or somebody major came in like a war or government or something shut you down. I'm trying to fight that honestly with my tenants saying, listen, you know, it ain't force majeure. A virus doesn't classify for that. And let's make a deal. Okay? I'm making deals. All right? So it's best to make a deal. If the tenant's trying to pull that, say, listen, it's, you ain't got no legal. My lawyers say they got no legal way to stand on it. If that was the case... There'd be a million lawsuits, billions of lawsuits. It's not fair to say that. It's best that we all buckle down together. Let's make a deal. What's fair to everybody? How much can you afford to pay? Let's put it on the back end. I've even given away some rent to some big shot clients. They squeezed me, you know, where I had to abate some rent. You know, it depends on the situation. It depends on the type of business they're in. You know, what's fair is fair. 
You know, but everybody needs to be fair with each other under these circumstances right now. You know, but force majeure means they ain't paying your shit. And they're out of here. I think it means they have to leave, too. So be careful. They're trying to stay and claim it. I don't think that works. That's just the force majeure is when you have to leave the premises. So what else you got? That's all for tonight. That's all the super That's it. All right. Good night. Good luck. And take care. Be safe. And uh, keep looking for real estate. Bye. Adios, amigo. You's a dumb motherfucker, Charleston White. You are a dumb bitch. And I would slap the fuck out your ass, nigga, if you was sitting right here saying some shit like that, nigga, about our profit, nigga. I don't give a fuck if you don't believe in it, you dumb motherfucker. I don't believe in the Buddhists. I don't believe in the Jehovah Witness. I don't believe they, they got the correct answers. But I'm not going to say nothing about their motherfucking religion, nigga. So you keep your motherfucking, keep your motherfucking bad thoughts to yourself, nigga. Okay? Don't you speak about Islam, nigga. Or even Christianity, nigga. Talking that shit about God, nigga. And I pray that when you get to your grave, nigga, your ass will burn in hell, nigga. And the flesh will be burnt up, nigga. And your face will melt, nigga. As punishment from God, nigga, for the shit that you said, nigga. You talked all that motherfucking shit, nigga, while you was in your life, nigga, to try to impress motherfuckers on social media, nigga. I'm a dumb motherfucker. I'm a dumb motherfucker. But I still got respect for God, nigga. I still get on my motherfucking knees and pray and bow down, nigga. I ain't never met God, nigga. But whatever the fuck is out there, nigga, I'm not gonna threaten to talk shit about it, motherfucker. Motherfucker, dumb motherfucker talking about it ain't no God. Look around you, dumb motherfucker. Look at the trees, the apples, the oranges, nigga. The Quran says we put sweet milk in cows' bellies for your ass. We gave you horses to ride. We gave you mules and donkeys to carry your loads to lands that you could never carry to, nigga, without hard struggle. He sends down water from that sky. You know, really cool gadgets, and everybody knows how to do kung fu. <laughs> like everybody yeah. knows five languages. Um, you know, everybody was cool and good looking, and it was really. I'm I'm a huge fan of James Bond, so I really was like, this is the agency. Once I got there, I realized it's. It's a diverse place. And one of the biggest things that really hit me when I got to the agency is how many different jobs there actually are. So all the movies are about the exciting case officer, right? The James Bond, um, the Ethan Hunt. But you get there and there are HR people. There are people who clean the waste baskets there are you know cooks there are analysts there are mechanics there are graphic designers there are really yes like there's a print shop there people work that you know like there are it people so it's just like any other it was it was insane like how cool it was to walk in and to see the seal and you have to get past the guards with your special badge and all of that felt super cool but you walk in 
and it's cubicles <laughs> and people doing like a plethora of different jobs like any other business like any other government organization to keep it running you just happen to work on things that are super cool that most people don't know about and that's what I enjoyed the most was kind of having this insider insight into world events that I was already interested in and then I had an even even more of an insider perspective where I was like this is really cool and I can affect things in a way, even if a small way, that nobody will ever know about. And for me, being behind the scenes is huge. Like, I love being behind the scenes. Like, affecting somebody that nobody ever knows I even touched. That's That makes me feel good, right? Mm-hmm. I see the end result, and I'm like, boom, I did that. Great. So... Now, when you got there, did you get to sort of choose the path that you took, or did they do that for you? So, in the interview process um, that I went through um, I was uh, I was going for they have different tracks Mm -hmm. so I was going for a certain track and there were like three different job descriptions that I could go for Um, I picked one I entered I decided shortly after they have a, a really long orientation period and then a really long training period so I decided um I originally was a desk officer and I decided that targeting was a better fit for me. When I entered in 2007, targeting was brand new. They had just started it. It used to be that case officers themselves would do that kind of work. They would be the ones that found targets and figured out how to approach them, but it really wasn't efficient for them to be doing that. They really need to be out in the field meeting people. So they created an entire job description for people who specialized in finding who they were going to meet so then all they have to do is spend an hour with me and I say this is the guy here's his photo here's his family here's everything we know about him he's going to be at this place at this time he likes this kind of stuff go you know go meet him and be friends if they spend an hour with me it saves them a ton of time Um, I can go much more in depth because I'm interested um, than the case officer would be able to because they have a million other things going on. So, um, yeah, so for me, I was able to change tracks during the training period and then be certified as a targeter. Okay, and then how did you meet Andrew initially? (laughs) Were you you guys both training or? We were in orientation together. So they enter everybody, no matter what their track is, um, together. And then that's when they do all the HR stuff, right? Like, here's how your health insurance works. Mm. And here how's your, you know, how your paycheck works. (laughs) Like, make sure you sign up for medical benefits. All those, the intro stuff um, that you don't think about happening at the CIA (laughs) um so we met I think I I noticed him after the first week and he was always uh seated between two females (laughs) (laughs) but I decided yeah I saw him from a distance and I was like I'm gonna meet that guy and so it took me about three weeks to get a seat next to him and start up a conversation um, and he was great. As soon as I introduced myself, he was like, 
do you want to go out on a date Wednesday? I was like, yes, yes, I would. Thank wow. you very much. Yeah, it was great. So um, the bummer for him was I was dealing with um, an anxiety disorder at the time that had just kind of, I'd had it for about six months undiagnosed. Um, so I was having all this anxiety constantly and it was making me really physically ill. And um, so he asked me out on the date the night of the date, he called me to ask directions to my house. And I was like, I was throwing up. <laughs> I was like, I was oh, like, I can't no. go. He's like, are you sh like, do you want coffee instead? Do you want, he kept trying, trying, you know, and I'm like, I just can't. And that was the very end of our orientation. I was like, I can never see this guy again. Like he makes me throw up. I have too much anxiety. I like him too much. I was like, I, this sucks. Like, I'm never going to see him again. So then we spent, like, I think a, a month working on the same floor in our offices, completely avoiding each other until I bumped into him at a staff meeting. And then I was like... It was, How old were you? I was 27. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense, and I was. It, he was a very patient man because we had a lot of tea dates. <laughs> when mm. I was like, I'm really nauseous right now. <laughs> like you make me so nervous. <laughs> now, now this like it, it it parlayed into you guys eventually working together, like right as a team. Yes. And that was that like before exactly. You know what messages do you be trying to get out there? Oh, uh, right now, homie, on the internet, I'm all I'm all character, right? I'm all character and entertainment. <coughs> Excuse me. In real life, uh, I really work with children, and I ain't got to be a character, right? The character just expanded my platform. So, uh, ten years I've been working in the community. Nigga, now I'm just, uh, now I'm like what they call, I'm retiring. I'm burnt out. <laughs> now uh, I'm transitioning from being a community guy to entertainment character, YouTube, uh, comedian. And while I'm doing this, connecting people to programs as I travel from city to city. Uh, and people like yourself, hey man, you know anybody work with youth programs? Here I got the youth program. So somebody interview me, homie. They don't just get a, a interview. They get a guy that can give you youth program to help this person over here. Uh, we got a trucking company. You know somebody with a trucking. You know so. Uh, so now, homie, right now I'm just playing for the for the movie deal I done got. Uh, so this shit done went Hollywood and and and, and entertainment and celebrity now. So, uh, fuck the community, my people, shit. Nigga, I did it for 10 years. I'm tired. I'm ready to retire. <laughs> Let another motherfucker take over. Plus, motherfucker like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, them niggas died broke with that community shit. <laughs> Everybody talking that my community shit. Undergraduate and graduate institution. We should be indifferent to where you went to school. We should only care about how you ranked. Because it's so, if it's so devastating to be anything in, in anything other than the top third of your class, I don't want you if you weren't in the top third of your class, right? Now, I'm being playful a little bit here. But the point is that we have 
do you see how we have allocated our strengths and our, our, our notion of what is an advantage and what is a disadvantage are allocated in an irrational way. We've, we have, we've become obsessed with the advantages of prestige, but we have not paid attention to the disadvantages of prestige. And that's a mistake. Some people seem to get motivated by being surrounded by people smarter than they are, right? So that's well, not, sort of... Not economics PhDs, apparently. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I would have... I, intuitively, I agree with you, yeah. right? I want to find reasons to like elite institutions. All my friends went to elite institutions. Should I have children? I would want them to go to elite institutions. You know, we're all powerfully... But the problem is that when we go and systematically look for those advantages, we can't find them. So there's a long, I don't go into my book, but there's a long and rich tradition um, in economics um, in which people hunt for the value of an, elite, of an elite education. And they can't find it, right? So we know that uh, it is the case that a student who goes to Harvard earns money, more money in the course of their career than a student who goes to the University of Tennessee, okay? But that doesn't tell you anything at all. What you really need to do is to find two students, both of whom go to, get into Harvard, one of whom goes and one goes to the University of Tennessee, and then see what, compare their career earnings. And when you equalize for the person, you can't find any difference. In other words, it's not that that Harvard is making you earn a lot of money. It's the kind of person who gets accepted by Harvard makes a lot of money, yeah. right? And then there's an even cleverer line of thing, which there's now been like 10 studies on this, and it's so interesting, which is they now look at elite high schools. So what is the benefit of going to a selective high school? Now, intuitively, you would think there, it must show up there must be some, you must be able to see whether in test scores or the quality of the college you go to or somewhere we must see some impact of that. And we can't find, uh, we can't find any advantage. It just, everything seems to, once you do that equalization thing, um, uh, you, if you are a smart kid, in other words, it doesn't matter what school you go to. Um, you'll, you know, smart is smart, um, which is intriguing um, finding. But you need, thank you. Um, I want to switch topics a little bit. Um, you know, you do a remarkable job of popularizing uh, social sciences. And uh, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Prasad Sethi. I'm part of People Operations, and I lead the analytics group, which is composed of many social scientists uh, who, who love the fact that uh, Malcolm's work and uh, you know, gets, gets their kind of thinking into the public limelight. Um, how do you distill and aggregate all of this research that's done in the social sciences and come up with what you think are the most uh, cogent arguments. Because uh, as you mentioned, there are lots of studies done on similar topics, and some of them are 
uh, point towards one direction, others point towards a different direction, et cetera? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're looking for trends in the research. Um, and so, for example, the studies I was just mentioning about trying to measure the value of elite schools, that's a very clear trend. And you've got a cluster of studies that have been done in the last two or three years using pretty rich data sets that are all coming to roughly the same conclusion. So when you see that, that's the sort of thing I'm looking for is what you want to steer clear of are the one really wacky study that is sitting all by itself. Um, that doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just you have to be approaching with more caution. But um, there's no shortage. I mean, the thing that's fascinating about being a sort of a student of academic research is that um, the number of things that on an academic level are being ideas that are being um, pursued and conclusions that are being drawn that are quite dramatically at odds with conventional wisdom mm -hmm. is enormous. Mm -hmm. there, if you're in the game of, in other words, looking in academic research for ways to challenge the way we think about things, there's an embarrassment of riches out there. I mean, it's not hard to do. So um, to me, what always amazes me is how much um, fascinating and useful material um, lies buried in academia. It just never sees a lot of day because no one uh, bothers to go and, and write about it and popularize it. I mean, it's astounding how, then, you know, if you talk to academics, they have the list of things that they think that the rest of the world is doing long. It's like, it's like this long, right? Um, so it's like it's, 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 it's not a very difficult process to, um, <laughs> to, to listen. Yeah. Um, related question, uh, you use a lot of stories to bring your thoughts to life. And the stories add a lot of emotional richness, and you can really connect with them. Uh, but how do you how do you ensure? Goddamn bully leaves the goddamn keys to the Escalade or his navigator blocking the damn boat. The keys are with him out. Who the hell knows where across the state? And I gotta get the goddamn boat out of there. And uh, that was a fiasco. Does anybody want to buy a twenty-seven foot Formula PC? Brand new paint. Come on, we're lowering the price. Brand new paint. That boat is beautiful and it runs perfect. I'm telling did, you now. It did run good. I'll tell you what, it's worth fifty grand all day long. Thirty grand right now. 30, Contact yeah, Rafal. Thirty grand. You got to pick it up, and I can't guarantee the trailer, no, because the trailer's not mine. But I'll try, I'll help you get a trailer, and the trailer ain't gonna cost you no more than a grand or two. Yeah, go to Okay, it. come on, come on down, and look at that boat. What's the name of uh, Justin's uh, truck place? You got go here? to Amera Truck Sales if you need a truck. Is that the same name? He normally changes his name so. all the Does time because he? he's always in trouble or something. I don't know. It's on know. Highway 19, Amera Truck Sales, and it's call us and let's do it. All right, what else you got? AJ White, thanks for the $20. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. David Almendarez, thanks for the $2.
Shout out to Crazy Jewish. Crazy Jewish. For four ninety nine. Cheap Jew. Ben, are you looking forward to Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur. I don't even have a yarmulke. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm I'm not religious, so you know, the holidays are the holidays are the holidays. That's not true. You are religious on Jewish holidays. You turn religious. He turns into a real... Can I say Jew? Yeah. A Jew. And you're a liar. I'm not a liar. You are a liar. How many times have I family. ever been to synagogue do you know of the whole time you've been on this earth? How many times? It's not that. How many times? It's in our house. It's what? Here. You don't he know what Jewish is. Let me tell you. Jew. You don't even know what Jewish is. I'm serious. They got so many things going on. You he blow your mind. Real Jew. Quiet before I make you go get bar mitzvahed. You know what the Jews will do all their drinking? I didn't even get a bar mitzvah. I didn't get one. I'll get you one. I'm good. You ain't going to do it. Okay. I didn't even do it. IG, all right, IG, move on. What else you got, Jew boy? IGH Properties, thanks for the $49.99. All right, big money for file. You're going to be eating some sausage tonight. And maybe a bite. <laughs> Don't take that wrong. Anyway, what else you got? <laughs> David Alvarez, thanks again for five dollars. When's Mike Bonus and Polly gonna be on the podcast? Mike Bonus is the pain of my onus. Okay, you better get out there and you better get the goddamn vacancies we're getting in retail. We just heard from a mattress store that's going dark. All right, he's sitting on plenty of empty space and he ain't getting it rented. And in, I don't know, you know, it's a tough time, a tough market, but. Mike Bonus has also got to try to help me with investments. Uh, I'll get him on there. I'll get him on there. He'll be around. What else we got? Paulie. Paulie's out there taking care of apartment buildings all over the damn state. That guy goes, travels hundreds and hundreds of miles a day. A day. Yeah, a day. Has to go to this building or that building over here and all in the middle of nowhere. What else you got? The doctor, thanks for the 100 bucks. $100 must be from Rich Doctor. He must be a plastic surgeon. Hey, doctor, I hope uh, I hope there's not Medicaid money he's giving us. Uh, anyway, so thank you very much, doctor. Thank you very much. There's, there is your $100. I'm probably a grand or two deep in these super chats. Ten grand still stands to swim in the Mala's Lazy River. Do I have to be here? The doctor, send us an email and we will contact you. Ask Ben on Ben. Ten grand, that's a lot of money. Consult with Ben. Let's have a consultation, doctor. I'll give you a consultation, doctor. How about that for a change? The shoe's on the other foot. All right, what else we got? Any callers? Nobody's calling in today. We can go home, go eat, go to sleep, go to hell. I mean... Yeah, we can get a caller right now. I need a cigarette. Don't tell your mother I'm smoking in the house. Hello? Hey, it's Ben. How are you today? How can we help you? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, what's up? Who is this again? Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Did you not want me to call you? This is Ben Rella. From the goddamn life for sale. What are you, the hell do you want? How you doing? I'm all right. What's up? What do you got? I don't, 
I don't know if you remember me. You came to the Homestyle Restaurant. You did that video. The Homestyle Restaurant. You guys went out. You guys closed up, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I'm sorry. How's your parents doing? They're okay. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, it's just... No, it's okay. It was, it was, it was sold. Yeah. Well, I hope things work out for you guys. Thank you. Now what are you Appreciate doing? It. Now what are you doing? Where were now, you from? You're from, you're, wait, you're from, you're from Serbia or where were you from? I forgot. Albania. Albania. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing now? So now I just acquired a property here in uh, Newport Ritchie. It happened right before Corona went mainstream. Everyone kept saying, you know, it was a big debate if I should get it or not. I thought the virus was just, at the time, right before March, it wasn't anything crazy going on. What kind so of property? I went what ahead kind of, and did get it. What kind of property are we uh, talking about? What kind of property are we talking about? What kind? It's just a single family home. All right, so you bought a single family house, and what's the story? Yeah. Was it occupied when you bought? Is it a rental? Was it empty? What's the story? Yeah. It was. It was occupied when I bought it. I got it off market through a friend who knew somebody that was liquid liquidating his portfolio. So I got extremely lucky. How much you it pay? Wasn't How much you pay? To be sold. 80,000. Huh? 80, All right, so you bought a house, it's rented out. How much is your tenant paying you? Yeah. Okay, so you baby forever nasty. That might be the name of the podcast, baby forever nasty. <laughs> so baby forever nasty, and you're dancing, and then what? So once I was in the dance group, my dad got out of prison. He was in prison for 12 years. Really? Yeah, he got out of prison, and... When he came around, he used to see me in the dance. He used to, he didn't like it. He just felt like, you know, certain people, street dudes ain't really like the, the dancers. And then the dancers weren't really rocking with the street dudes. So it was like either, so my dad, he's a straight, hardcore street dude. It's like, man, right here, dance, man. That's for gay guys. That's for punks, right? Like, he used to talk crap to me. Like, really? Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to do that, get in the group with your brothers. So that's what made them put me on the stage with them. So I was the dude that was just on stage dancing. They'll rap. I'd be over there dancing, doing my thing. And one day, the producer named Jim Johnson, he did all the biggest records right now. He's like all the number one records by the biggest names in the industry. Mm -hmm. It's like, yo, why you don't put, why don't you get Speck, put Speck on the songs? I mean, Speck can't rap. You know, I can't. I don't want to rap. You know? <laughs> so it's like, man, all right, put them on a song. They put me on a song. And it was history. I did my one little verse. Once you know, ain't never heard no girl scream that loud before. They was like, you yeah. know what? Put them on all the songs. What song was that where like people really started feeling it? It was a song called Ching Chang. It's throwback, bro. I see these names, Ching Chang. Forever nasty. Yeah. They got baby forever nasty. Yeah, yeah. It was back then, man. Was, yeah. Do you remember your bars? Nice. No, no, stop. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> 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 so, so you would get you would, you would rap and then like the girls go crazy. 
they would go crazy. And I was always like in the, I used to be in weight training back then. So when I was in all my high school, I was in weight training. So by the time I took my shirt off, oh, yeah, yeah. they then fell out on the damn crowd. Cause like I was, I was built for my age. Mm-hmm. So the average 18 year old wasn't really built. 17 year old wasn't really built like I was. Cause right. I was just in the gym every day, heavy mm-hmm. weight training. So, okay. so that helped out. So now I'm in the group Pretty Ricky. Now, so Pretty Ricky, how'd y'all come up with the name? Do you remember? So our name was Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. Who and was, Who was Ricky? Nobody was, nobody was Ricky. <laughs> I'm thinking somebody was like Ricky, but. Nobody was Ricky, bro. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> nah, honestly, so my older brother was in the group. And then one of his songs that went viral before we was, like, actually, like, we was on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. And then my, my my big brother, he was the main person. He was, like, the Nelly, basically. Right, right. And he was taken off in Miami. His name was Papa Smurf, right? And in the song, one of the songs, he was like, the ladies called him Pretty Ricky Ricky. Like, girl, that's thicky, thicky, thicky. So, like, that was one of his little lines. And everybody was like, you the, you the pretty Ricky Ricky. Like, like, everybody used to come up to him and say that to him. And me, Slick, and um, Baby Blue was the Mavericks. We was the Mavericks. So, they put him together with us so he can give us some steam right. and make us grow faster. So... He was popping. We was the Mavericks. We was on the bench, but we was the heartthrobs, but we was just waiting for our time. Right. We came together as Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then as we was as we performed and after the show, Cross were like, Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks, who Pretty Ricky? And they always point at me. So like, yeah. he Pretty Ricky. And then to the point where it's just like to the point it kept Saying I was pretty Ricky, they just named me the Pretty Ricky. Yeah, you couldn't be a Maverick. Yeah, I couldn't be a Maverick. It's like <laughs> I was the Pretty Ricky guy now. So now they start calling me Pretty Ricky. So my brother ain't like that, of course, because now mm, that you know, and, yeah. and then and then like everybody, all the record labels and everybody was like, "Well, he doesn't fit us because he's a he's my older brother." Mm-hmm. We was all young, the same age. So they made him back a solo artist and then made us a group. Mm. And then we was Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then when we, and I was Pretty Ricky, my brothers was the Mavericks, Pleasure joined the group, and now we have a singer and three rappers. Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then we got signed to Atlanta Records after we created Grind On Me. Mm-hmm. Was the first song we ever did with Pleasure. Crazy. Out the box. Now, let me ask you real quick before you go into that. Did your brother feel a way when he almost got kicked out of the group he came to help? Technically. Did he get mad or was he like, all right, great, because I didn't want to be around all these people. Did he be pretty Ricky anyway? <laughs> I just think it was kind of uncomfortable 
based on the audience. Because imagine you performing in front of a crowd, and then when you come up, you don't really get no screams like that. Right. And then we come up, it's ah, because it's just two different demographics. So I don't know if he felt uncomfortable or not. I'm pretty sure he probably did, based on like the reactions. You ever about it? Nah, I never really talked to him about it. Mm. Never really talked to him about still doing it. Music? Uh, nah, he doing music. No. Nah. What's he doing? You know, I mean, my brother passed. Really? Yeah. Oh, he man. he passed from a brain aneurysm. Oh my gosh! How yeah. long ago? When he was thirty four, and that was like three four years ago. Oh man, I'm starting to hear that. Yeah. Goodness gracious. God won them early. It is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Golly. Mm. That's the only three ways, the only three reasons why somebody won't buy from you. So with this dollar chart, here's, oh my gosh, because I didn't know why. I, I figured I was doing it because, you know, we just kept, like, let them taste test it, right? Mm -hmm. But in this way, I can identify, well, they can identify, oh, this is a good fit. Because in their head, they don't they don't know if it's a good fit or not. Mm -hmm. But for a dollar, um, a dollar, they could do it. They can see the value because, all right, for seven days, you're going to get a, a, a freaking conference for a week. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, wow, that I have the money. Mm -hmm. Because even after that, it's only $79. But they'll say, they'll be able to compare, oh, well, for the value, for sure. 79 bucks is nothing. Done. That was the dopest commercial we've ever given. <laughs> so go to TheMortonMeetup.com. <laughs> Golly, I love this interview. Go to TheMortonMeetup.com. I can't wait to see you in the morning. Okay, Spec, I got to ask you, um, before you give us something deep on the closeout, um, I like to make predictions on predictions on the podcast mm -hmm. and I want to know where you see yourself in the next five to ten years so that I can watch this interview five to ten years from today and say mm. yo Speck said he was going to do this and look he actually did it mm. it's actually dope I like that in five years five to ten five years my school is definitely going to be one of the most talked about schools on the planet. That's mm. one thing. Second thing is, in five years, I'm going to have some major product wins. What does that look like? Products that everybody, at least one of them that everybody has to use. Like, like right now, everybody... Like the passport joint? Like, like, is that what you think? Like, similar. Yeah, something like that. Like, something that... Like, I need this. Like, Uber. People need that. You need Uber. Come on. Now. You need Uber. Gotta have Uber. Amazon. Like, I need I need Amazon. 
I need that. It's going to be at least one thing that I create that the people will need. Mm. And that's going to be my moment I talked about. That's going to be your moment. Five to ten years. That's going to be the moment. I love it. I love it. You don't even know what it is yet. I might have it already. Do you have it? I might have it already. Do you think you, is it like something that you're thinking of, like that you're working on that you think you got? Or you're just saying, in my life, there's something that I'm missing that I don't see just yet. I think I have it. I'm working on something that's going to disrupt the world in terms of putting money into the black communities Mm. for ownership. Can I be a part of that? You said your ass, Close bro. Me, yo, you, you, I'm going to be consistent, so I'm going to be persistent. <laughs> <laughs> you already my man, so. <laughs> yeah, but listen, you will be a part of it, though. Mm-hmm. You will be a part of it. Um, and 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 this is, this is one thing that I talked about earlier. It's called Social Seed, where... We're going to have it where people get to actually have ownership in products, viral products, big products, products that's killing it, that they would never get the, they would never get the opportunity. When you try to, do you know when you try to invest, you got to become an accredited investor? Right. You know what that means? You got to have over $200,000 or... And it doesn't even count your house. So if you got a million-dollar house, still don't matter. So it's either 200000 personally or 300000 with your spouse included, or over a million dollars in net worth. What average, what average? So if you see a good deal that you can literally take advantage of, you as an intellectual can't even take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Because they have systems in place for us not to take advantage. Because guess what? We all ain't got that. Do you know what's so crazy? And not even too long ago, Obama finally made it to a point where um, where um, you can create smaller crowdfunds. He created some bill mm-hmm. that kind of unlocked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Not yet, but you know, like he created because it was it, it's like illegal. But now, I think it's um, or he either it's something where like the little guy can get into it. Somebody's going to comment and be like, "David, you're an idiot." But yes, but no, that's this is the point I'm making. Is like they put things in place to make sure we don't get what we deserve. Like, why I gotta be a credit investor? Yeah. You know, it's like, I know it's little other little reasons people going to come up with. Oh, no, it's because it is. No, no. I feel in my heart, it's so certain people don't get into certain plays mm-hmm. to get to where they need to get to. 
It's like the music industry. Whoever was the puppet at the time. And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. Wait until you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay. Niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga, Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay? But I believe in God, and I fear what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga. Okay? I'm not gonna play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga, okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass, okay? And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life, you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now, now, send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You will believe in it when you see it, bitch. If you take that, put it in your motherfucking pipe and smoke it with your bitch ass. Now what? I'm gonna put up, put in the music. People think oh, I'm gonna go to the studio every day, and one of these songs gonna be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song. Period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal their shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So, you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody. From the vloggers, from this person, from that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up, but they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I, like, I'm, I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like, when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money, big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because it's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker, like, you know that they always got their head out that's needy, you know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people, like if it's a street guy, they looking for, if they got bags and they looking for niggas to sign, they looking for stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So 
from the other end as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over. You know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you're too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you're too smart. <laughs> but we can get this little 17, 16, 15-year-old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. $50,000 is like $500,000 to him, a million dollars to him, you know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then shit, let him do a show, but we gonna make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they gonna make him super, super famous, you know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that that's real famous, that's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person. But they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So you just got to have your paperwork in order. You got to have your management in order. You got to have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to, um, you got to have, if you ask Captain, uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your music is a business, you know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music and then when it comes to the business or contracts or um, finances, you don't know anything about it, but you talking about you you clearly just doing music for no reason. If in your head, you're not thinking that I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay, what comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you got to think. That's the only way that you going to really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You just going in the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, Let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. All the clothes you buy, you as an artist should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in the strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones, but give me a receipt, you feel me? Get that to your account, that should be a write-off because you're an artist, you're a brand, but a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money and not knowing this though. When you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you, like, be a successful music artist, bro, like without, you don't have to be real major, we're talking about a successful music artist, you know what I mean, like, because like I say, you can take over the music game, right, but you, 
most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where their real money come from. The music is cool, but I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm gonna tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and let them know, like, hey, I wanna partner with you guys. I wanna, I wanna have a partnership. And you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think like as far as like 